Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Work Hacks with Bossy Skirt. Kelsey, Tony, Alana, how was everybody's weekend? It was a good weekend. (laughs) The weather was very fall. Yes, it was. And then we get smacked with nice pouring down rain today. Yeah, it's crappy out. It's cold. I didn't want to get out of my bed this morning. I didn't either. But, you know, adulting. (laughs) There you go. I love adulting, although adulting sucks no matter how old you are, I got to tell you. I went to a wedding this weekend. I had a, there was a reception on Friday and the ceremony last night. So I spent the majority of my time hobnobbing. It was a 29-year-old bride and groom, so everybody was young. So I had the opportunity to, you know, bossy skirts always working. Uh, But one of the things that came up, and actually I saw this in an article uh, over the weekend as well, that I wanted to talk with you guys about was feedback. Ooh, feedback. Coaching. Constructive criticism. I love it. Things people don't like to get. <laughs> oh, I love it. Did you just hear Alana say um, she, uh, she Alana was making a very good point about yeah. that before we just started the show, actually. Yeah, no, I I mean, I always feel like if you don't get feedback, like, then it's like, well, am I doing anything right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I crave feedback, negative, constructive, any of it, because I want to just make sure that what I'm doing is being is being well-received. You know, I don't want to go guessing, like, am I doing this right? And and maybe some people have the idea that no news is good news. You know, if I don't hear from my superior, then that's a good thing. I must be doing it right. But, like, I don't want to just stay under the radar. I want to make sure that, you know, everything's being presented as as expected. Absolutely. I like that attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, the feedback. no, what is it? The uh, no feedback is good feedback, I guess. Yeah. It means you're doing your job. I, I don't know. That's always been my take on it. I just don't like, I always think I can handle the feedback and then I get feedback and I'm like, okay, maybe I can't yeah, handle it. Yeah, if it's feedback. bad, it can kind of bum you out and put you in a mood. But then if it's good feedback, you're like, okay, well, that's the I'm thing doing too, it. Because the majority mm-hmm. of it isn't always like bad feedback per se. Yeah. It's just stuff that might... It's just little things. And, you know, you, it's hard to let the little things not bother you sometimes. <laughs> I will never forget, you guys. I was probably 22 or 23 years old. My first job supervising people and one of the first pieces of feedback that I got was that Jenny only accepts other people's opinions grudgingly. And, man, did that sting. And you know why? Because I knew in my heart of hearts that it was true. It was true. Yeah. So I feel like feedback is this process of, okay, you're telling me something I don't want to here and if there's even a kernel of truth to it it's gonna hurt really bad but if i want to do a job if like alana was just saying if you Mm want to rise to the occasion and get better eventually you have to absorb it evaluate it in yourself see yourself doing it and then change your behavior right and then that's how that's how you get better tell me about a time you were saying tony that you you hate it did you get did you get a piece of painful feedback once um maybe not so much painful but like yeah i've definitely been told like okay yeah you could do this better or and i think it's just the personality type i am i'm very much i grew up as a young sibling i got a lot of attention i had a lot of people always like oh he they like you know it's hard to not be like sometimes and so sometimes people telling you that it's not they're not saying they don't like you. I know. You got you gotta take that not personally, but 
Um, sometimes people saying they don't like you or saying there's something wrong, you're doing something wrong, can make you feel inadequate, I guess. Well, that's the first thing that any good boss was te- would tell you is that, uh, first of all, it doesn't mean that I don't like you. And when feedback is delivered appropriately, the first rule that we're taught as managers is you always approach the behavior, never the person. So, Tony, I absolutely adore you. But when you do this one thing, maybe you want to think about doing it this way instead. So I think a lot of times it's all about the delivery. Constructive criticism. Yeah, it has to be specific and timely, and it has to be thoughtful and not just, you know, quit being a douche. Yeah. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, like in the movies and the TV shows, you see the boss flying off the handle, start throwing things at people. That's yeah. never, that's not a good thing. Well, like, I guess that's too, I got to learn to, like, separate, like, friendship from, like, work, professional relationship, too, you know, because it's like, just because somebody tells you that you're doing something, like, you're not doing something that up to standard in your job doesn't always mean they don't want to be your friend outside or of that work. They, or that they dislike you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just something that needs to get tweaked or adjusted that's not going the way that they feel it should, and I'm just trying to help somebody out, I feel, but yeah, so in it the depends start- on how it's said and how it's taken, I I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of the opportunity is for us to be able to help guide our bosses on how the feedback could be more helpful. So it's funny, this article that I was reading, it said that if you want to attract a Gen Z, which right now, you know, unemployment's nice and low. And so you guys, it's really a a buyer's market, as they say. But they were saying they want, if you want to attract Gen Zs, you got to do four things. You have to make sure they get to work with other people their age. Uh, You have to make sure that the work is purposeful. You have to give them feedback, and then you have to give them opportunities for professional development. And when I tweeted that article out, I'm like, doesn't sound entitled and lazy to me. <laughs> that seems like a reasonable request. I wonder, though, because it says, like, the work you have to be doing is fulfilling. I feel like that's for, like, everyone, though, too. Like, I feel like millennials now, too, even. We want to talk about, like, us millennials and stuff. But, like, I want to be fulfilled just as much as everybody else does at work. That's like, exactly yeah, it makes you feel right. good, like you're actually doing something and not just going to do a job. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily feel like all, I don't even know if I'd classify just millennials as this, any generation. I feel like there's those rich, spoiled, entitled people, and then the people who want to work for what they earn. Exactly. Regardless of age. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. Exactly. Well, I think one of the reasons why this feedback topic is such a big topic is twofold. Number one, boomers and Xers. Now I know you're familiar with those labels, Kelsey. (laughs) Uh, We're not great at giving feedback, so... I'm an Xer. I work for a boomer, and I've never once had a performance review, ever. We just don't even talk about it. And so I know that's the deal, and that's fine. But I always call millennials and Gen Zs, you guys are the standardized testing generation. Mm-hmm. And so you are very used to be getting constructive feedback. What am I supposed to do? What are the metrics I'm supposed to be measured against? So on the one hand, you're very hungry for it. You've probably got an older boss that isn't necessarily comfortable giving it. And then the other thing that plays into it are these damn screens. Because your experience with having awkward conversations might be kind of limited right now. Yeah. Everybody breaks up via text. So part of it is got to develop your calluses uh, and get used to having those awkward conversations. And it's like anything else. Practice makes perfect. I, I think even doing this is a prime example of getting over those awkward conversations. I mean, we first met you and we had to learn how seven to... Seven days ago. Yeah, seven <laughs> days ago. And we had to learn exactly like we just got thrown into a room with you and we're like, okay, here, talk. <laughs> I know, right? Crazy. 
And here we are, building relationships exactly. and getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think your point, Tony, is that the, the responsibility is on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bosses need to give better feedback and employees need to be more open to receiving it. And the reason why I call this comfortably coachable and the reason why it is by far the most valuable thing that can happen for a young professional is if you are told specifically and helpfully that these are the behaviors that I'd like to see you improve, then you improve on them. What your boss sees is, oh, because, you know, people don't like giving. Uh, nobody likes criticizing anybody else. Nobody. So it's uncomfortable for the boss, too, right? So if I give you the feedback and then I see you change your behavior, now what have you just told me? I'm Holy... valuable. I can l- take direction exactly. well. You know, Holy shit. Yeah. They take it. It's fine. So <laughs> then guess what that means to me as the boss? <laughs> I'm going to give you feedback more often. Yeah. And then that means you're going to be getting more tips and more tricks and more advice on how to do better. And you're going to start improving at a much faster rate than somebody who wasn't getting coached. So it's like this big, scary thing that we all avoid that actually ends up being a secret weapon to career advancement. Now, yeah, about, like we. Oh, sorry. Tony. No, you go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, we can't fix something if we don't know we're doing it the wrong way, so to speak, you know, or not the, um, the preferred way. So. You know, it's it just it makes sense to tell somebody that you that you want them to change or or alter or adjust rather how they're doing something, you know, um, and then they can make that change and everybody's happier. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we were talking last week about the whole generational gap. So I think the opportunity for the young professionals out there is the quicker and more easily you can communicate to your boss that you are comfortable getting the feedback, you're giving your boss permission to give it to you more often. And that's when the nice virtuous circle begins. I have a question about that, actually, is like, so once you let's say you start, you take that feedback, right? And then you put you put that your you go improve upon it. And then you don't really get the feedback you want, I guess. Let's say you don't get feedback. Is that bad? Or is that just saying maybe that's how they handle the situation and they say, okay, this is what needs to be worked on? I think Um, if you're given, if I understand, if you're given feedback and then you improve your behavior based on the feedback and then it stops, I think because you guys had the previous conversation, the door's open for you to go in and say, you know, that one time when you told me about that one thing I do, it was super helpful. So... I'm really hungry for more of that, dude. So anytime you have anything more to offer, again, I think you giving your boss permission to have the conversation is the way that you would get an uncomfortable boss over that hurdle. Yeah, it's at that point I feel like a nag when I'm like, well, hey, do you remember you told me to improve on this? Like, how am I doing now? <laughs> no. Fishing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys are so cute. That's not fishing for compliments. That's seeking feedback from the boss on his or her opinion on whether or not you're improving. Mm-hmm. That's, ab- I mean, that's like, think about it in sports. This is my favorite analogy because, you know, you're a, you're a pitcher, and your, your coach teaches you how to throw the ball the new way, and you do it. And then he doesn't say anything about whether or not that's the right pitch or you're pitching it the right way. It's totally natural for you to go back and say, so did I do it? Is that the right pitch? Yeah, Should hey I change man, it up? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't say anything when, yeah. I, when I was doing it, so how did that look? Exactly. So totally appropriate for you to go back and ping that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just wondered that. So how do you operate, like, you're saying you don't get that feedback. Yeah. So do you just assume that you're doing well in whatever, like, 
avenue. Office. Well, I think she said <laughs> that you want to ask, right? I mean, then you don't don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> so I think this is one of the biggest differences uh, because of our age, or or at least my uh, position in the professional world. I'm at the stage where I can tell if I'm doing a good job based on the performance metrics that I'm producing. So luckily, uh, once you uh, have a lot of responsibility, there are things like revenue, market share, margin, uh, audience, all kinds of things you can measure that tell you whether or not you're doing your job well. The soft skills stuff, though, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I could be an absolute fucking bitch. And if nobody's telling me that and I don't have any self-awareness, yeah, I could be a, a train wreck. Um, so it matters at every stage of the career, I think, from a, sta- a, sta- a soft skill standpoint. Say soft skill standpoint three times. <laughs> soft skill standpoint. Show off. Mm, that was only once, though. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's great. Are we are we done with that segment? I think we're. I think yeah. I think we're ready to wrap it up here. Go to a break, aren't we? I think. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, I think when we come back, we're going to talk about networking because today's a Monday. It's a wet, soggy Monday, so we're going to tackle everything that makes you guys uncomfortable. Oh boy. We got feedback out of the way. Come back, and we're going to learn how to actually network. Oh. <laughs> As a business owner, you're always looking to save money and cut costs where you can. And if you advertise on radio or television, you know it can get pretty pricey. If radio and TV aren't delivering like they promised, and you're looking for a more reasonably priced way to get your message to the masses, I've got an answer for you. New Radio Media. With live streaming and on-demand programming, your message can be seen throughout the day, and you can worry a little less about cutting those costs. For more information, go to newradiomedia.com or call Buzz Van Houten at It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Quick little private coaching session on how we're doing as a team. We all got an A+, so we're feeling kind of ballsy. I'm going to dive right into networking. So I'm going to start with a quick survey question for my fantastic young professionals. How many of you are on Tinder? Tinder? Tinder. That was not where I thought you were going with that. You were going to say LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say me. 
There's no. or how many no. of you use Indeed? Yeah, Indeed. I'm yeah, it, you know, <laughs> not but Tinder. No, Mm-mm. nobody's on Tinder. No. I, I was on Tinder for a minute, but not anymore. I think I've had it for a total in my life. Mind you, this was three years ago for about a week. Okay. And I deleted it. And I didn't go on any dates. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it ever actually worked for me. I no, just... the conversations, I feel like, were very... It's awkward approaching people, too. Like, oh, hey, how's it going? Or, <laughs> you want to come, come over up tonight? With a, exactly. <laughs> like, I know exactly why you messaged me. <laughs> yeah. Well, this could be one of the reasons why you guys are so on top of things. But uh, the reason why I brought it up is because Tinder, which has now been around for quite a while, I think has um, created this false expectation that uh, really connecting, regardless of what your definition of that word is, is a numbers game, right? Because you're going to swipe, 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 swipe until you hit the jackpot. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how sometimes young professionals use LinkedIn. And that is not the way to use LinkedIn. I'm getting lots of shakes around the head. Okay, so, so let's... Lots Quality over quantity. See? See how quick you are? I'd rather have three people like me than 12 want to go out with me. Nice. If that makes sense. You it take the time to figure out the compatibility. Sense. It's like, okay, I think I really have a shot getting to know this person, this person, this person. The other nine are going to be a complete waste of my time because exactly. that's just how it would be if there's not, you know... So guess what? That's exactly how networking works. Mm-hmm. So I was working with this young client. Uh, unfortunately, he had his LinkedIn profile up for about a year before we met. And so he had about five or 600 connections. Now, keep in mind, uh, I've been in the professional working world for 30 years. I've been on LinkedIn for, I think, eight. I have 600 connections. He's got 500 connections, this little 21-year-old young man. I think he'd met two. That means his LinkedIn network is completely worthless yeah, so all of that doesn't that do you a whole lot of good nothing. if the people that say they know you know nothing about you that's exactly right so that's what i really wanted to talk about today so and it's it's interesting because it does relate to dating so if you're not just looking for a hookup if you're actually looking to make a genuine connection with somebody mm-hmm. it is not a numbers game so i wanted to talk through because linkedin can be an incredibly valuable tool and it's a digital tool so it's a space that you're comfortable working in i just think there are a lot of folks who don't necessarily understand how they can be using yeah. it linkedin can be really intense intimidating like I don't know why but before I learned how to use it uh, at school uh, for broadcasting like I was very Mm -hmm. apprehensive about it because I didn't think that I qualified to be on LinkedIn you know what I mean agree 100% you go to school though and they make you (laughs) feel like it's more of just a businessy Facebook yeah Mm -hmm. they start teaching you there so then you add like your classmates that are in the field and then you go from there and add people that you know or that have heard of you and try to send you like there's people on my LinkedIn that have sent me connections that I've never heard of. Same. So obviously I'm still not gonna add you. Same. I don't know who you are from Adam or Eve, and I don't like people I don't know looking at information I have about myself online. Just okay. makes me uncomfortable. Okay, that's that's good and that makes perfect sense. But the way I want you to think about LinkedIn mm-hmm. is let's say that you, um, I won't even use a conference because conference are incredibly t- intimidating um, situations. But um, let's say that you're ready to do more and you're feeling like you're stuck at where you're at. And so what you really want to do is start expanding your connections with other people who are in your industry so that you can start getting your name, your reputation, and your body of work out there and known. So LinkedIn can be a very, very powerful channel where you can do that. But it's important that everybody who you've connected with on LinkedIn, that you could have one of three very tangible connections, okay? So the first one is going to be academic. So you're exactly right. You initially build your profile with 
of people he went to school with, with professors who you had great connections with. So start there, okay? Now you're in the work world and you're meeting other people, you're meeting them at social events, you're meeting them at work events. As you start to meet people, you extend LinkedIn invita invitations to those folks. That's what I call your professional approach. And then you have your personal approach because there are friends of friends. You know, I love to say it's not who you know, it's who who you know knows. That's mm -hmm. the power of networking. And so there are people who your parents are going to introduce you to or who you may have met at a wedding, as I did this weekend. There are opportunities where you're going to make personal connections with people. So think of LinkedIn in those three categories. And then based on how you establish that connection with that person, that dictates how you communicate with them. Is everybody with me so far? Yes. Does it make perfect sense? a little bit here. Are you <laughs> trying to keep me up? A little bit? I, I am, yeah. I'm, wait, so you're saying that, like, with these, like, when you make these personal, that's a good question, is, is, like, it's kind of the same debate I have with, like, adding people on Facebook. It's like when I first meet somebody, it's like, okay, do I go add them on Facebook right away? Or do I do how, how I go? How long do you wait? Yeah, how long do you wait to make rule? that LinkedIn connection? It's oh, like, you don't wait on LinkedIn at all, especially if you just met them because you just met them. So now you want to take advantage of the fact that hopefully they still remember me, I still remember them. Send mm -hmm. it out, and because it's not a personal thing or a flirtatious thing, nobody applies any of that baggage to okay. it. I always thought somebody was going to be like, maybe it's like, oh, like like, why is he is like a little weird clingy it's kid so trying to add how... me on LinkedIn right away? Yeah, like, and it'll say that you have one. <laughs> mutual friend yeah I actually got this internship slash position here because of LinkedIn I think because <laughs> um, there was uh, an internship fair at school and then I added like all so I got all the business cards from everyone that I talked to at the tables and I added them on LinkedIn and then the promotions coordinator um, for new radio media was actually the one that ended up reaching out to me on LinkedIn because I had added him. So I actually can totally attest to how powerful it can really be because I added them right away. And he admitted that he waited, you know, for whatever reason to contact me because I thought maybe it just wasn't meant to be. You know, if you don't hear from him, it's totally fine. But I actually ended up, this is like, my job because of my connection on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, I saw results from a LinkedIn survey a little bit ago that said 85% of all jobs that are filled nowadays nowadays are filled through some sort of personal referral, like that experience right there. So you used it exactly right. But that's, I think, the challenge because it does feel like the grown-up's sandbox, you know, and I have to post my resume. But Kelsey, you mentioned Indeed earlier. Indeed is just, and nothing against Indeed, wouldn't it be fantastic if they came in as our first sponsor? But my, my beef with online recruiting nowadays has really made the process impossible, right? So a fantastic job shows up, and for you guys especially, because you're in a field that's going to be very highly competitive. So a media job pops up. You know, that, that employer is going to get like 2,000, 3,000 applications. How are they going to find you and sift through that? So I think that the ease of online application has actually really hindered the process of putting the right person in front of the right contact. And that's where LinkedIn can come in and bridge that gap because you actually met or a friend of a friend can make that connection for you. But the reason why I brought up the three categories is because then that should dictate how you introduce yourself, how you reach out. So you always, you never want it to be a blind uh, out of nowhere, because actually, Kelsey, you were saying those are the ones that you reject. <laughs> yeah, even if you have like eight mutual friends in the industry, if I haven't met you or heard of you, I'm not adding you. I'm yeah. sorry. Exactly. It's weird. And Why are you trying to add me? 
employers are the exact same way. So you have to be able to reference something that's specific and real. So in other words, I don't know if you remember me, but we met at that mixer last year or last month because you're not going to wait a year. Um, or do you remember me from our class at MSU? Whatever the the real uh, connector connector is, that's the piece that you want to reference when you send that reach out so that they can understand this is not just a blind call. Um, so uh, <laughs> that was a a time stumble here. Uh, uh, oh, fantastic! Well, they always say in radio, like it's the is the most professional thing is like killing time. That's that's what your thing is. You're talking on a mic. You're when you're on the radio, your thing, your job is to kill time. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just I, I'm very uh, I, I've been doing way too much presenting in my life. So I think of this just as I would any other presentation. And somebody says, "Okay, Jen, wrap up." <laughs> I can wrap up, or I can keep going. Okay, so Alana had a fantastic LinkedIn success story. Tony, Kelsey, share with me. Uh, you have any LinkedIn disaster stories other than you're being overrun with people who you've never met? Have you ever used it uh, in a successful way? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. I went to school and I made it, and I tried to build it up to look nice and representable to me. And I've added. Since working, I've added my connections around the office and people that I've met. But as far as going on it and like job searching, I have not used it for that. I've not even tried yet. So, so I'll give you a hypothetical. So let's say you're going to move and you're going to move to L.A. Oh yeah. Uh, because that's really where you need to be if this is the career you want anyway. And so you probably have a really powerful powerful connection here in Buzz, right? So, but again, it's not who you know, it's who who you know knows. Buzz, can you hook me up with anybody? Yeah, there are three or four people. He's You're going to ask him to do a LinkedIn intro, okay? And then he's going to establish that connection. So now you just asked him to vouch. Now the vouch is very important for people like me because I'm putting my name on the line with somebody who I respect to say, I promise this young person is worth your time. So when somebody vouches for you, you take that super seriously and make sure you're timely, you're responsive. Bust your tail. Exactly. If you get that meeting, you show up early, you follow yeah. up, you're polite, you're all of those things if somebody vouched for you. But but like, so relocation is a fantastic um, example of when you're in your industry, you want to break in in a new city, you're going to leverage existing connections that you've made through LinkedIn to create those introductions for you in the new city where you're going to. So that's where a lot of the stuff that you've been doing will probably help you on your journey and where you're headed. Tony, how about you? Have you been in? Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. My success rate isn't the greatest. I haven't like I wouldn't call it a failure either. I'm with Kelsey. I've kind of like built my LinkedIn, and I've been I've noticed it was kind of cool when I started my internships and stuff, and I started getting like endorsements from people. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like somebody endorsed me. Like it looks like I'm legit now. Um, I did like that. Like, I got some endorsements, and I sort of built it. And, like, I mean, even, even she's an endorsement you of mine, I think. You endorsed me, too. <laughs> I was just going to ask. You know that LinkedIn is exactly like Instagram, right? If I like your shit, you better like mine. <laughs> we worked together on projects, so I would say that he was a great camera operator. And he was like, oh, well, she did this. and Yeah, make sure you always reciprocate any endorsement with another endorsement. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that. That was about the most of my LinkedIn experience. And I really like going on there to learn. I read a lot of interesting articles on there. There's a lot of people who put stuff about generation. Like we've been talking about Gen Zs, Gen Xers, Boomers. I post like a that. lot of that shit. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, draw, it draws my attention. So, I mean, that's from the most, that's about the most I've been using LinkedIn. And then adding people I work with. And it's, I haven't been really using it to connect per se. I haven't been like, well, I just met somebody new. I'm going to go add them on LinkedIn right away. You know, that's that's not the first thing I think of. It's probably my favorite place to play uh, in my current role because 
it is by far mostly populated with older people, but they are looking for jobs to fill. They're the decision makers, right? And I'm kind of that bridge because now my LinkedIn profile is growing with lots and lots of younger people. So that's the way I see it is, wow, this is like the family reunion of different generations (laughs) all in one place. Everybody with the same objective in mind, which is how to get ahead at work. And so it can be a really valuable space as all of the... Millennials and Gen Zs are starting to accomplish things in the workplace. Yeah, how you're talking about LinkedIn like that. I've had several people that have been on other shows here add me on Facebook and then reach out to me and ask me to do stuff with them that way. So I know that we're focusing on LinkedIn and obviously the career um, social media platform yeah. is LinkedIn. But Facebook's got a lot of that kind of stuff too nowadays. So they, that's, it's interesting to see how all of that they, yep. they, they do. And my, my recommendation is always LinkedIn is professional, Facebook is personal, Twitter is political. <laughs> That's <laughs> the much. way I think about it. That's true. I and always then, think it's funny. I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Oh, no, I was thing. just going to say Instagram's for fun. Yeah. yeah. Same. <laughs> the picture. Visual eye candy. Uh, I just think it's funny that you can see like when people view your profile. So like I make a conscious choice to like not view certain people's <laughs> profiles so that they don't see that I viewed their profile. You don't want them to know that you're so interested. It just depends on the person. It's kind of like a poke <laughs> on Facebook. There's yeah. nothing wrong. Oh, I forgot about pokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, gosh, I cannot believe how much time flies. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We will see you again next week. Awesome. Have. Ah, low budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, yeah? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek approved. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at newradiomedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live.